Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to a special edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. My good friend 60s is not here with me right now as I record the introduction, but he was with me on the weekend where we were live from Jack's Bar and Grill for the Blue and Gold Alliance reunion. We were fortunate enough to be involved in the BGA reunion luncheon last year, and it was a wonderful experience back then, just as it was a wonderful experience this weekend past. Myself and 60s had a great time catching up with former players, former officials, having a chat about football, what they're up to, and just seeing the positive vibes of former players and officials coming together to celebrate their time at the club. And while I kept myself busy with photography duties for the event itself, 60s was on the microphone catching up with former players, having a chat to them about their playing careers, their experiences with the Blue and Gold Alliance, as well as what they've been up to. But before we do get to that actual content, a quick shout out to a few different parties today. Obviously, they are the sponsors of the tip sheet itself, Big Swing Golf, North Mead and Star Partners, Real Estate, Auburn, Rowan and Parramatta both of whom help us bring you the show for each and every episode. But also, a thank you to both Parramatta Leagues Club for hosting the Blue and Gold Alliance reunion luncheon on Saturday, as well as the uh, Sunday morning catch-up ahead of the game. And also a thank you to the Parramatta Eels themselves, as they strengthen their connection to the Blue and Gold Alliance and all the former players and officials and the aid they provide to Bill Richards and the BGA. From this point, it's going to be all 60s, so hopefully you enjoy his dulcet tones and the conversations that he had as he caught up with former players and officials from Joel Reddy right through to Dennis Fitzgerald. We're here with player number 683, Joel Reddy. Joel, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. It's great to be here. Joel, uh, a daylight today. How important is it? I think it's very important. You know, it's great to see um, all the ex-players back here. Um, I'd love to get a few more for my generation. That's the that's call to arms for next year and the year after. So uh, it's really good to see the, the 88 crew here today that won the reserve grade premiership. They're all, you know, it, it's just good. You know, once you retire from football, you sort of go in your own direction. Um, and I think it's great when you can actually bring it all back together sometimes. And Because uh, you, you've all sort of been through the same, similar situations together and you can talk about your past memories and, and all of that. So I enjoy, you know, seeing this group join back together again year after year. Now you played at Parramatta during an era where we had a couple of really important coaches. Uh, first of all, Brian Smith, what qualities made him a, a, a great rugby league coach? Yeah, I think the, the thing with Brian was um, he was just such a good teacher of the game. So I was lucky enough to make my debut under Brian Smith in 2005 and, and it really set me up sort of for the future of my career in, in just about professionalism but also um, just being able to teach the game of rugby league. He was a really good teacher of the game. Um, and I, I, learned, I learned a lot um, from the pre-seasons I had under Brian. And I only played a couple of games, but it was those pre-season trainings and, and the way that he used to coach the coaches all the way through the grades that were all sort of on the same page with the fundamentals of the game. And, and that's where he was, he was really good. Yeah, you mentioned to me before that he didn't make assumptions that you had all the fundamentals, even though you were in NRL. Those fundamentals had to be taught to everyone that was in there. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where just because you're an NRL first grader, you don't know everything about the game. And it's not only that you don't know, but there's there's certain skills that you just have to keep practising to get better and better at. And and I, I still remember... Uh, even early days with someone like Fui Fui Momo, we, we did a lot of catch pass and, and all that sort of stuff and, and he wouldn't use it too often because he was most of the time he was just running over blokes and skittling them on the ground but every now and then like there's, there's him making breaks and being able to draw and pass the fullback and that's because everyone had to know the fundamental skills, everyone had to know how to catch and how to pass and where to be and, and all those little things when you put it into when you put it in a game uh, scenario and you're under pressure, you've, you've got to have done the hours and hours of that that sort of practice to be able to, to do it in a game, not just 
run through your sets and, and tactics. It's more about those little skills that you need to be able to work on all the way through your career, not just because, oh, I'm in first grade now, I don't need to worry about the simple stuff. It just doesn't work like that. Now, you just mentioned Fui. I've got to ask you, how much of a character was he to have around the, around the team? Oh, mate, it, it was awesome. Like, he... Uh, it, it, very clever guy, um, and and just a, a you know really great character. He's still playing now, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. And and what he used to do on the field, like, and what he used to do his body now, he used to run. It was, it was just a great, great person and a great player to, to get to play with. Um, definitely having him in my front row of my uh, top thirteen side, and you know really enjoyed the energy he always brought, and just you know just how good he was. Did he really steal people's thongs? Did he really steal people's thongs? I remember there was oh, a... yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, there, there was definitely, definitely plenty of that. Uh, yeah, he must... Uh, that's probably... Yeah, I reckon he'd have a few pairs at home. <laughs> and you've got to tell me, he used to make out as if his English skills weren't, too, weren't the best. Was he putting that on? Yeah, no, they, they were definitely uh, good when they needed to be good. Yeah. And not so good when, uh, <laughs> when it suited him. <laughs> now, the other, I, I mentioned the, another coach, Daniel Anderson. Uh, that huge run in 2009 uh, and it, of course it's pertinent to mention Daniel as well with, um, because there's uh, fundraising going on for Daniel, uh, important fundraising, but how, how good was 2009 to be a part of? Yeah, it was, it was you know, unfortunately we didn't get the job done right at the end there but you know, it was an incredible year and it was a testament to the way that um, Daniel coached us as well that year just, just you know, off the back of you know Early in my career, having Brian Smith, someone who was so um, technically good with the skills and, and, and how to play, then you, Daniel Anderson was able to take that to another level with just understanding each individual player and, and what they like to do and then being able to bring that together with the team. So, you know, we sort of got stuck in a bit of a rut early in that season and he had an idea for us on the way that we were going to play and he admitted sort of midway through the year that what he thought he was going to be able to do with that team wasn't going to quite work. So we changed a few things and started to play the way that he thought that would suit us best after seeing us for that first half of the season. And that is a credit to a good coach understanding that the players that he has right now. I think a few... I think at times coaches seem to want to play for next season or they've got a few players playing, let's start to play the way that it will suit them for next year. But it just doesn't work. I think it's it's unfortunate when you're in a side and they're looking to the future instead of looking to this weekend and looking to see what they can do right now and what best can we get out of our players right now this very season. And I think that's the way that you should be taken every season and every game. And then you can still look out for the future, but... The way that Daniel was able to get that group together and figure out a way that was going to help us win games and get the most out of the season, you know, and he almost got us there. We were, you know, really close to actually taking it out and, um, you know, a couple of decisions here and there. And then, you know, obviously there's a bit more to it with the, with the storm, but, you know, it was an incredible year, which, you know, unfortunately didn't end the way that we wanted it to. Now, I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to ask you a particular question about the storm. What I'm going to ask is this. When people have raised the topic about the premiership's been stripped off them, it should be given to the Eels, is that the way you'd want to be known as a premiership winner? No, no. You obviously want to win the grand final. Like, the, the, the feeling of winning a grand final is what you want. Not so much the medal or, or the ring. Um, but... You know, how do you take that feeling away from Melbourne Storm? Well, you can't. They, they'll always have that feeling yeah. of winning the Premiership. Um, that the, the only way you could possibly take it away from them is to probably give it to someone else. Yeah. So the NRL never went down that path. Would, would I have felt like I won it? No, I, I wouldn't have won it yeah. if I didn't actually win that game. Um, and, and that's the NRL's call. That's what they did. Um, you know, they beat us on the day. That, that's all. You know, there's not much else really to it. You, you, you want that feeling of winning, and we didn't have it. Yeah, I, I won't put you on the spot with this unless you want to say something. But like when there's been a lot of talk about them celebrating it recently, and that it was insensitive and what have you. My take on it is, 
I'm not crazy about them celebrating it now because they actually got to celebrate it back then when other clubs have had points and all that taken off them um, during a season. And they, ha- they did have that as well, but they got the moment. And that's their me- that, so their memories are the moments of winning, the rings that they got, those sorts of things. So I'm not a fan of them celebrating it now because they celebrated it back then. Whereas other, and all the teams they played against couldn't celebrate it where they were able to. So that's my take on that. So, uh, yeah, it's a fair point. And, you know, I don't want to get too much into it because at the end of the day, we were beaten on that day and yeah. nothing, nothing will bring that feeling to us. Yeah. You know, because they already had it on that day. Yeah. So, what did it mean for you to be a Parramatta Real? Oh, it was, you know, my debut club. So, I. I um, it, it holds a very special place in, in my heart to, you know, to, you know, always wanting to play first grade rugby league, um, and then getting that, given that opportunity to to do it and to do it at Parramatta, um, you know, it was a it was a dream come true for me, uh, and it, it's, you know, I've made lifelong friends from the club, uh, with players and staff, and, you know, I. I I uh, enjoy watching from afar. I don't have a lot to do with the with the club anymore, but they, they definitely hold a, a special place in my heart. Now, you were talking to me before about it, how important the BGA is in having these sorts of events. You've also told me uh, your ambition with um, getting particular players involved because on top of that, we've got a... There's an event two years' time, and there's also next year with what Bill Richards is uh, trying to do with Back to Parramatta. So what's, what's one of your goals to help that out? Yeah, I just think um, it's trying to get the, the probably my my generation, a few more guys from my generation, in here. I know, you know, every, everyone sort of goes in their different directions once they retire, but I, I think it's important to sort of try and reconnect a little bit. And you know, most guys are just happy to sort of, you know, go along their own way. But you know, it, it's it's not that easy sometimes going from playing professional rugby league to then going out in the workforce and. Yep. You know, all these guys here have been through the same thing. Um, you know, this most of the era that was here had to work throughout their, their professional, or work throughout yeah. their rugby league career. So the transition probably wasn't so hard. They probably just stopped playing footy and continued to do what they were doing. Whereas uh, my generation put everything into rugby league, uh, may have educated themselves throughout the way, um, which I did, uh, but may not have, you know. So that transition, I think, is a lot harder for those guys. So I think it's it's sort of more important, I think, to try and reconnect um, with those players that, that spent so much time together and then had to find their way outside of footy in all these different directions uh, without having much, you know, inside or without having much, you know, idea of what they were going to do after. Yep, um, yep. So it's days like this where you know you can bring back together and, and sort of reconnect and see where you are and see how you can help each other out as well because um, we're all sort of connected. So it's, it's about bringing us all back together and, and helping each other out. And we've got a 20-year event next uh, two years from now. Yeah, so um, the 2005 Reserve Grade Premiership in 2005. So my, my goal is to try and get as many of those guys back as possible. So we, we won it in 05, 06 and 07 and then... Wentworthville won in in 08. So it's four premierships in a row for that for that reserve grade era. And it'd be nice to get as many as we can back, try to drop the average age around here a little bit uh, and get a, as many of those guys back here together for a reunion and, you know, reconnect. And and if Joey Grime is listening to this, you're a part of those those teams on the, uh, on the staff. So we want you in there as well. Back here, I know you're up there in PNG, Joey. We want you back here for those events in two years' time. Actually, you'll be celebrating getting the Papua New Guinea as the 18th franchise in by then. So we'll see you back here then, Joey. Um, Joel, thank you so much for today. I really appreciate your time, especially with the technical hiccup that we had before. Thanks, mate. All good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Right now, this is my absolute pleasure because I've got one of my favourite players from yesteryear. He was a crowd favourite on the wing in the lower grades for the Parramatta Reels. His name is Julio Pomponio. Julio, thank you for joining us to have a bit of a chat about today. My, for, my pleasure. Mate, first of all, 
how good is it to be able to catch up with people at a reunion like this? A, a, a day like this is fantastic. I've, I've been here now, I think, three or four times, catching up, with, catching up with some of my old mates back in the 70s, 75, 76, 77. And I know last year I saw some of the guys that I hadn't seen for 40-odd years. And um, it's fantastic catch up on memories, talking about old times. And those days, we were, we, we were a close-knit family, we were mates, we played for each other, and it was just fantastic to catch up. And what, what a lot of people wouldn't realise these days is that back then, when you were playing under 23s, there was a big crowd that would be already through the gates at Cumberland Oval or wherever it was being played. It, it's not like today in the stadiums where there's reserved seats and people wandering just before first grade. You had to get your spot on the hill. Um, so the, all the boys, they were playing in front of, you know, really vocal and large home crowds. Absolutely. Um, I can still remember walking in before the game, signing autographs, couldn't believe it. We were just basically nobodies. Um, starting the game, there was the crowd was packed. It was 20 to 25,000 people at the start of under-23s. And um, I must admit, I played up to the crowd a little bit. I enjoyed the, um, the crowd support and I, I enjoyed every minute of the playing. Well, I, I did mention before that you were a crowd favourite. When you'd score a try and the, and the uh, ground announcer used to take great delight in really stretching out your name, it, it was almost like that fella from the uh, boxing. I can't remember the, the fella that does the crowd announcing, but you'd get that treatment on your name. So, And you said you played up a little bit to the crowd when that would happen as well. I did, yes. <laughs> it, um, it was, and I still remember those days, and it's, as I say, 77 to... 2023 that's um, 46 years it's uh, it's great memories and I'll never forget those memories ever so what was the best thing about being a Parramatta Reel back then well firstly I grew up with a whole bunch of guys playing President's Cup initially in 75 there were guys from Parramatta there were guys from People City guys from Toon Gabby Seven Hills and we all we, we were best mates um We'd go out on a Friday night. We wouldn't drink too much, by the way. Of course not, of course not. No, we won't tell you about that. But <laughs> and we'd train on Saturday morning before games on Sunday. And it was, it was like you'd play for each other. It's, it's none of this... You know, the mon there was no money those days. There was very little money. You played for the enjoyment of playing for Parramatta. And to me, that was everything. We would have played for nothing. Yeah, and, and well... You, it was very close to playing for nothing anyway <laughs> back, back in those days. Uh, mate, the, the work of the Blue and Gold Alliance to yes. put these sorts of events together, yes. what do you have to say about that? Well, one of my best mates, uh, I played a lot of touch football with him over the years, was Ted Solkovich. Uh, Ted was unfortunately passed away over a year ago. Uh, he got me in, involved, he said, and Jeff Gerrard as well. Uh, we were all members of Cabernet Golf Club and they said we want all ex-players to turn up to the Blue and Gold reunion and um, I was very appreciative because uh, it's something that I really enjoyed and um, we, you know, we, we do meet a lot of guys here, some guys we don't know but it's, it's important to meet some of the guys like today I met Graham Atkins again, Timmy Logue um, and uh, Mick Kelly, uh, who else are there? There's quite a few guys that, um, that that you love to catch up every year. Yes, yeah, so yeah. It's, um, yeah. It's it's lovely to talk to people. Even Stephen Edge, my ex-coach, um, Lenny Stacker. Um, we, we, yeah, we love to talk about what we did and what happened in the old days. So. And now the blue and gold still runs. It just courses through your veins. Yes. Tell me about now being a supporter. Well... I've, as, as an ex-Parramatta player, Parramatta are everything to me. I will not miss a minute of every game. I will not miss all the, all, all, all the um, talk about the game before the game, who gets selected, 
I, I just like to know what's going on, and I, I, I bleed blue and gold. And um, I, I would love them to go well again this year. It's, uh, it's going to be tough, but um, let's hope for the best. So. Well, it, it starts tomorrow, doesn't yeah. it? We got to get that win against tomorrow the Dragons for the game, and um, let's hope that we can put a big score on St George. And uh, the next three weeks after that will be tough, but if they play to their best, and I hope they can, and I hope they can play some some football rather than this one-out um, stuff sometimes that they play. If they play proper football, they will win. And they can win the comp if they do that. Well, mate, it, today has been a real pleasure for me. Um, I always enjoy these events, but yeah. I'm so glad I was able to catch up with you. I'm, I'm going to be able to go home and say to the family <laughs> that... We, we had a bit of a chat Thank and you. be able to talk about the old days as well as what's happening uh, with you now. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, what are you doing these days? Well, I've um, ever since I retired, uh, I finished my degree as an accountant. I, I'm, I had my own accounting practice. Uh, I, I opened up in 1985 and been practicing now for in, uh, 38 years. Yes. So I'm still working and uh, very, very busy. Still actively involved in my touch football. So playing for Balmain at the time, uh, we go to the state cup championships this year. Yes. So I'm still keeping relatively fit, I, I hope. And uh, would love, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's, so. Mate, really appreciate your yeah. time. Thank, thank, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Craig, all the best, thank you. Well, we're now with player number 493. It's Chris King. A lot of people who are big fans of the Eels in the 90s would remember Chris King running around in the back row for the Eels. Chris, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you. Now, just uh, quickly on today, how good is it to have uh, reunion days and be able to catch up with teammates and maybe some mates you haven't seen for a while? Mate, it's been uh, an exceptional day. There's guys here that I haven't seen for, it would be at least 30-odd years, so... To be able to uh, remember stories and tell stories, it's been a great time. Have they changed much from the facts? Yeah, mate, there's plenty of stories. Not, yeah, not factual. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's all in, all in good fun and um, it's been a really good time. So just to um, familiarise people as well, um, you would have been at the club the same time as... Um, was Paul Dunn running around when you were there? Um, who else? Uh, Paul Clark, Nobby Clark, was he running around the same time as you? Uh, yes, mate, I played both with those guys. So um, I think it was 91 I entered first grade and uh, finished in uh, the end of 97. So you sort of straddled some tough years and then years where the club was just starting to launch into a period of, of success how would you define those years at, at the club I mean was it still a great organisation to be a part of mate it certainly was and yes you're right there, there wasn't a great amount of success in that time but um, I was extremely proud and, and honoured to um, you know to be able to run out on the old Parramatta Stadium wear the blue and, blue and gold colours um, and said that the wins weren't many but the ones that we did have mate it was uh, they were very special celebrated hard every, every win uh, yeah mate they were <laughs> rare so they were celebrated well <laughs> well it's good to see that there's a, a lot of a uh, lot of fellas here who are celebrating being uh, back together again how important is the work that the blue and gold alliance does in keeping former players connected Mate, like personally, like there's, as I said, there's guys here I haven't seen for thirty odd years, um, and I'm so grateful that I was able to meet these guys again. You know, like, and literally, there's one guy who lives possibly you know fifty five kilometres from me, which I didn't know about. So, you know, there's there'll be uh, he and I will be um, getting together again on the far north coast of New South Wales. So. It's uh, things like that, but um, and there's some guys that I, you know, I do stay friendly with. Um, I've just days like this are special, mate. Like it's it's something that. Needs so what to are you happen. doing with yourself these days? Uh, mate, uh, I do 
I am, have been in the pub game for many, many years, over 17 years. So I'm um, uh, currently uh, working in a, a bottle shop um, and working for a security company um, on the, in the uh, north coast of New South Wales. And, and just as a final question, what would be your fondest memory of your time at the Eels? Mate, I, mate, I come from Casino, so uh, we got one game a week uh, to watch on TV up there back in those days. So to arrive at Parramatta, I remember arriving early and, and waiting for the under-21s to train and sitting under a tree watching uh, the, the uh, great team of the 80s train before us. And uh, I just knew I was very lucky and I was um, very fortunate to, be a, to become a part of that uh, culture. Well, mate, we really appreciate you spending some time with us. Um, let's hope as well that next year Billy Richards' dream of having that back to Parramatta day where we can get as many Eels players as possible back on the one day Become, uh, comes to fruition. Mate, that sounds great and I hope it works. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Appreciate that. Today at the Blue and Gold Alliance Player Reunion, there is a special tribute to the 1988 President's Cup Premiership winning team for Parramatta. I'm lucky enough to have the captain of the team on that day with me right now. He's player 495 for the Eels. His name is Rod Collins. Rod, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here and it's a very special occasion for us uh, under-21s from back in 1988 to be here today and um, we really thank the Blue and Gold Alliance and um, the Paramount Leagues Club for having us today. It's been, been a great day so far. Now, Rod, the question was asked uh, before when you were uh, addressing the reunion about how special it was to win a title wearing the blue and gold. So can you share that with our listeners? Yeah, well, back in 1988, it was the first year that they uh, changed the third grade from under-23s to under-21s, and uh, a lot of us, it was our first year to be graded at Parramatta. And, um, you know, many of us were 17, 18 years of age, and, and, you know, it was a privilege to be there in a part of the group of Parramatta where we were training on a weekly basis with the Sterling and the Kennys and the growths and you know the legends of the game and um you know we, we, we were privileged to be there in that year and um it was a, it was a very special special time in, in my life and, and and a lot of the guys in our team and it was a history making win because it was the very first title that was won on the sydney football stadium yeah we thought um playing out of Parramatta stadium was um you know, special. We had a brand new stadium. It was only a couple of years old, and um, there was, you know, it was a, it was a privilege to run out on that. But when we uh, got the ability, you know, the, the the opportunity to to run out on the Sydney Football Stadium in the first grand final uh, in, in 1988, it was uh, another another level for us all. And uh, can you share with us uh, some of the fellas who were in uh, the team that day that are here at the at the reunion? Yeah, we've got the Billy Green Trees, we've got the Gavin Catnax, we've got the, um, well, we had a number of other players that didn't get a chance to be there, but we had the. Um, um, you had some, but yeah, I think your captain from the season uh, wasn't, he was promoted to reserve grade, wasn't he? So he wasn't actually able to captain on the day, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, David Danes was the um, captain through most of the year and I got the privilege to take over from him as he got um, sent up the grades into reserve grade. Um, but, you know, we we had the George Bartlett's, we had the Darren Smith's, we had the, um, you know, a great bunch of blokes who, 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 who were a part of that team, which was, you know, there's plenty that I've forgotten, but, you know, they're all great. Well, there's, there's been a bit of footage that's been up on the screen during the day, which we've been able to look at whilst, the, whilst people have been enjoying catching up. Uh, I noticed Andrew Fitzhenry out there at fullback. That... Yeah, how could I miss uh, Fitzy? You know, he uh, kicked like a champion on, on that day in the grand final. And, um, you know, he certainly brought an energy and a, um, 
um, a senior uh, membership of the of the team, and um, you know, leading from the back, he, he, he was a great talker and um, probably got us through the grand final to the grand final in, in a number of ways. Yeah, you were a bit of a backline utility back in the day. What position did you play on grand final day? Uh, I was in the centres. Yeah, I played number three next to. Uh, David Woods, who, who isn't here today, and as you know, David Woods had an exceptional career and it was a, an extremely good talent and, um, you know, one of my good friends too. Yeah. Now, you ended up making your first grade debut, I think, in about 91. Uh, played a f uh, some more first grade games across the 91, 92, 93 from memory. What what uh, what positions were you playing? I see you're a bit of a utility. You played a number of positions, didn't you, when you came into first grade? I was predominantly in the centres. I think I played a, um, a bit of fullback there for a, for a while. Um, but I always, And I played on the wing one time. But I always thought that my uh, main position would have been locked forward back in the day, which I didn't play a lot of. Right. So now you've had the chance to catch up with a, a number of people today. What, what's, the, what's the best thing about these sorts of reunions? Well, for those of you who go to school reunions, you know, it's like going back in time. You know, we, um, we all went back in time today and every year we get together, we, there's always some, some story or some memory that pops back up and um, we get to talk about it and um, more again, we get to connect again. And um, the connections in uh, life with uh, good friends and especially, um, you know, being a part of a sports team, you know, where we train you know, throughout the week and competed on the weekend, um, you know, which went for a year or two or whatever it was, you know, we, we get to rekindle those memories and those friendships of, uh, you know, which are very special and, and, and more importantly, everlasting, yeah. And the Blue and Gold Alliance, what could you say about them and the work they do? Oh, look, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a day like today. Um, we wouldn't have um, the support that um, many players need over their later, later years and um, you know it's, it's an integral part of uh, the Parramatta you know Eels Rugby League Club um, offering post uh, career support and um, you know there's no doubt that their, their uh, support and uh, ability to access is going to be even more prevalent in the future. Now final question for you Rod, what was the best thing about being a Parramatta Eel? Oh, look, I think it's always a matter of putting on that jersey. And my biggest, uh, uh, best thing was uh, running out onto the stadium at Parramatta Stadium. Um, didn't matter whether there was 10 people in the crowd or a full house. Um, just running out onto that oval was, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the blue and gold was, uh, you know, an amazing experience for, for, for me and, and for many of the players who have gone in the past. You know, so that's, that's what's what I enjoyed most, yeah. Rod, thank you so much for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of this afternoon. Thanks, Craig. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, it's my pleasure now to welcome player number 536. I got that right, didn't I, Troy? Yeah, right. Troy yeah. Campbell. Troy, thank you for uh, jumping on uh, the, the Cumberland throw and have a bit of a chat with us about the uh, today's reunion. Yeah, not a problem at all. What a uh, good afternoon it's been so far. <laughs> How good is it to catch up with your mates like this? Look, it's um, football is football, and like you know, a few of the guys have said from the uh, 21s team that you know you haven't seen someone for 30 years, and it's like it's yesterday, you know, and that's yeah. and that's what happens, you know. You've you've formed that mateship over the time that you played, and then you catch up, and it was like it was yesterday that you you saw them, you know, and um, you know, there's a guy there, Ryan Schofield, he played. Um, he was here 91 to 94, I think he said. Uh, he had four years, and this is his first reunion. And, mate, I said, you'll wake up tomorrow and go, this, it's one of the best days you've, you've had, you know, because this is this what it's about, you know, catching up with everyone. You may not see them every day, but when you do see them, it's, it's very it's, it's quality. So, what, what was the best thing about being an eel? Oh... The club back in the day, look, we had um, good facilities, a great ground, um, good management through. And Terrific supporters. Very, very... <laughs> look, I'm on a couple of these social media pages with the Eels and they're very hardcore and they, they take their, their supporting serious. And um, I, I look at some of it and think, uh, who's the coach of this team, Brad Arthur? Or, um, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> 
they 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 do take it quite serious. But you know, no, in 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 jest, they are. They, it's a very um, a big supportive uh, side. The Eels, yeah. And you were uh, here during the Brian Smith era. I've had a chat with some of the players in the past about Brian Smith. So I want you to tell me what were his best qualities as a coach. His attention to detail. Look, um, he he came on board. We'd had some ex um, players as coaches, and then we'd sort of we, oh, we during my time, I'd never had someone so thorough and technical. And you know, you, you, he he went back to grassroots of the game, back to basics and skills. Um, he 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 analysed the game like like no one else. I'd seen. Um, we we play a game on the Sunday. He'd be back in his unit or in, in, in the footy office, and he'd have a video of what went wrong, what went right. You know, here's your here's your VHS. Go home and watch that. But he analysed the game very well. Um, a really good coach, and something that I didn't have in my early years playing grade. And yeah, look, he. he a great coach, but I don't know why he just couldn't get that the, the trophy that the, the Wayne Bennett and the Bellamy and, the, and all the great coaches couldn't get. So, you know, unfortunately for Brian, he, he, he didn't get that. But do you think do you think winning a title is what defines you as as being a great coach, or do you think you know in the in the case of uh, a Brian Smith, who who brought so much improvement to a lot of clubs that there's other qualities that define being a great coach. Yeah, look, it's it's, it's who'd be a coach? Who'd be a coach yeah. these days? <laughs> Seriously, um, there's so much pressure. But look, it's more than uh, look what Brian Smith done in his tenure at the club. Like I think it was magnificent. You know, he he's very thorough with his juniors and making sure they're coming through. And yeah, there's a lot of work, and to be a successful coach, it's just not about that first grade side. So there's a lot of work in the background that you've got to you got to do. Obviously, you know, you see clubs with salary cap issues, you've got to manage that. You've got to have all the back end in order. And I think Brian took Parramatta to that next level um, without winning the title, but he got them to a stage where they had the junior development coming through. Um, I think Parramatta should be grateful for what he he. he he put into the club and got them to where they were without having that title. So, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting to mention that because I'm a, I'm a big fan of Brad Arthur because of what he puts into the juniors and the pathways. So we, we see him go down and, and help coach the Harold Matt CSG ball, the Jersey flag. Um, it's a big part of what he enjoys doing. And, and really, someone like Brian Smith was probably a pioneer in, in getting so involved in pathways. De- definitely, you know, and I played under-21s with Brad. I was his captain, and um, what he's done, he's gone through systems at Manly and Melbourne, and you know, and, and obviously he's he's watched what Brian Smith done to the club and knew how important it, it is, was, and still is to be um, that type of coach. And at Parramatta, there's a lot of lot of pressure, and unless you're doing all that, um, you know. I, I don't think your term at Parramatta is going to be very long. And you know, looking at Brad with his, um, he, he's he's going to outdo Brian Smith with his with his um, years at the club. Uh, I think now or this year. I yeah, he has has already. Yeah, I, I think he has already. So um, you know, hats off to him, and 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 that's what he's got to do. You know, uh, it's not just about your A grade side. It's what's coming through and what you know what what you've done in the background to get to what your A grade is at the time. So Now you can give us a bit of an, a unique insight, so I'm going to put you on the spot. If there was a quality about the Brad Arthur that you knew a little bit of back in those days that was going to make a good rugby league coach, what would that have been? Brad's a bit like myself. He's very old school, um, was very trained hard, played hard, um, was one of the boys, and I think that's what, where he's got his group at the moment. And it, it's it's a tough it's a tough gig. You deal. Look, I'd hate I'd hate the coach in this era because there's so many personalities. You know, I, I work and I try and find people to help me work. Labourers, this and that, and and, and it's, it's hard to get good help. And I think he's got 
some good help. It's how you deal with them on a day-to-day, weekly basis, yearly basis. Um, you know, and, and with Brad's old-school ethics, I think I think he's got the group to where they need to be. It's just it was hard because of salary cap issues at the end of last year that players went. Marnie, uh, Isaiah Papali. Uh, yep. You know, look, we lost we lost a few, um, and that put a big dint in where Brad had it got the side and achieved what he had to get to the grand final. I think if we had kept the same playing group, we would be in a different position right now on the ladder. So, yeah, yeah. Unfor- unfortunately, um, yeah, that's that's where we're at. Now, just before we uh, wrap things up, a day like today, first of all. How important is uh, the Blue and Gold Alliance in keeping former players connected? Look, as as I said before, and you mentioned um, to me about Bill, I've I've been, from our inaugural year in 2016 when Mickey Vella, um, we formed the Blue and Gold Alliance. Uh, I was part of the committee, still am a little bit involved with our Queensland side of... um, players at the moment. I can't. I try and tune into the uh, committee meetings when I can with, in Sydney. Billy has done a fantastic job taking over Mickey Vella. Uh, obviously, Bill's been out of the game a lot longer than what Mickey has, Mickey Vella had been. Mick done a fabulous job, but just due to work commitments and, and kids and stuff like that, he, he couldn't continue. Um, it's so important to keep the group together. It's important for the club. Like you know, you watch the games on TV. Manly's got their old boys' day. Newcastle, their old boys' day is so important. Melbourne, everyone's old boys' day is very important to what the clubs come from, where the clubs at, and where the clubs going to go. And to to see all these guys celebrating the the 88 under 21s grand final here today, it, it's great. You know, look, there's there's goals and there's uh, achievements that everyone needs to um, celebrate and I think it's good and we we need to do it yearly. Well we've got that big goal of Billy Richards for next year with a back to Parramatta day. It's it's a big ambition to get there but how good would it be to get as many as you possibly can back here? It would be awesome to get um, everyone. Like I think the player numbers now, I think we're over the thousands, um, as in graded first grade players. So I'm five three six, and that was 20 years, you know, you know, 1992, 30 years ago. So we're we're into the 1200 and something players. So like, if we can't get five or 600 here next year, there's something wrong. You know, back to paradise. I don't want them to burn Bankwest Stadium down. You know, like we can't, <laughs> we can't have the, we can't have that as in, as in the Cumberland Oval days. But <laughs> let's let's have a back to Parramatta day, and you know, let's let's get six or seven hundred here for the day. So, Troy, I think it's a great ambition to have, and thank you for joining us. No worries, then, Craig. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Well, we're now with player number two fifty nine, Bill Richards. He also happens to be the president of the Blue and Gold Alliance. So, Bill, welcome back to the Cumberland Throw because we have chatted before, but so welcome back. Yes, we have. Thank you, Craig. That's really good. Now, Bill, how important is it to have these reunions and have catch-ups every so often during the year that the BGA does organise? It's extremely important uh, because these players... uh, a lot of them live in different areas. They separate from each other. A lot of them don't get a chance to get to get together very often, unless they're in a, a, a playing group that's won a competition or something like that. Generally, they just go out and do their own thing. And and this is really important from our perspective to make sure we at least get them back once a year uh, to let them know that hey, we're here uh, and come to sit with your mates, discuss discuss a few stories, tell a few lies. Uh, and have a have a general uh, bit of fun while you're doing it. Um, really, really important stuff because you know I've got a passion about making sure that we're looking after our former players, and, and unless we get them together, we don't know what's going on. You know, when we were talking to Troy Campbell before, he mentioned uh, someone that he was talking to that this was their first reunion. I mean, it must give you pride when you see people here at a reunion for the first time. With, without a doubt, Craig. Um, Actually, I was just talking to someone then and he said, I haven't seen some of these people for 30 years. 
And I mean, that's fantastic when you see that sort of thing. Uh, uh, to have those people come up to you and say, wow, really enjoyed this, we'll be coming next year. And I said, that's what we want to see. We want to see more of that because the more we can get, the more we can look after, the more we can care about, and the more we can get to know. I mean, but the big thing is we need to know where they are. That's the point. Now, people probably wouldn't appreciate the work that goes into the Blue and Gold Alliance, but you have a committee, you meet regularly with that committee, you have people like yourself that give up your time, not just at those meetings, but you know, in your own time to make sure that a, a group like this functions. Uh, how many events are you up to a year at the moment for the Blue and Gold Alliance? Predominantly, we're, we're, we've only got three, um, well, we'll say four, basically. We have a, um, we have a uh, golf day, the Teddy Salkowitz Memorial Golf Day, there is a there is there's a game day which uh, occasionally that's at the beginning of the competition. We have the reunion, uh, incorporating the the uh, former players' day, and then we have the Christmas drinks. But uh, we're looking to expand that probably next year uh, to maybe include a walkathon or something like that. And you have some of the the uh, the smaller gatherings too, uh, like for example, there was the um, Eels training day recently where you were down there for the captain's run yes yeah we try to uh see if we can organize a captain's run uh, maybe one or two captain's runs because i think it's great for the uh the former players to be able to mix with the current players and uh, have a chat and get to know them and i think vice versa because it's all they rather like to see they want to see more of the former players uh get up there and, and have a chat with them now tell us about the the big goal which is the back to Parramatta day next year <laughs> Um, that's the challenge. That's going to be a challenge and a half. But basically, what we want to do is is look at, look, try and contact all of those players who have played, were initially started playing with Parramatta, or in, whether it be your junior grades, right through the three grades, and get them back to Parramatta for that one day. Uh, I reckon it will be a hoot to get it done. It's going to be a challenge because the big issue was with how do we contact them? Have we got all the contact numbers for these people? But it's really quite interesting when you're talking to people around here. They're saying, oh, yeah, I know someone who, who knows, for instance, uh, they, they has the reserve-grade premiership side, and they've got them on their phone, and they know everyone. Well, we need to know that. We need to know how we can contact these people because um, we want to get them for next year. And uh, we need to work out a suitable time when we can arrange this uh, when we've got young and, young and old. You know? It's a terrific ambition. And, and if there's anyone listening to this who has family or friends who have been a former Parramatta player because the Blue and Gold Alliance is for graded, all graded yes. former players and officials. So it's not just first grade players, it's not just the people who have been the big stars over the years, it's for anyone who's been a former graded Parramatta player or official. Bill, what what's something as well that, uh, I was at a meeting with the Blue and Gold Alliance the other night. And you, you were talking about all the different aspects of, of the Blue Gold Alliance um, in the way of looking after former players and, and fundraising and that sort of thing. What's the thing that you're proudest of with the Blue and Gold Alliance at the moment? Uh, well, I think, I think the first one was um, establishing the Blue and Gold Alliance as a non-profit organisation, getting that uh, set up as a, a non-profit organisation. Uh, it took some time, but we finally got there. The second part was also establishing our own account uh, where we can actually now apply for grants, uh, not only from the league club, but from other areas to help us uh, support our, uh, our members. Um, and, and I think that's to me, is the two key areas uh, that I'm most proud of. And we've got a lot of structure in this, and we've got some great people uh, who are willing to put their time in uh, for the BGA. And we want to give a shout out to the Parramatta Leagues Club as well, yes. who are great supporters of the Blue and Gold Alliance. And of course, we're staging this in Jack's Bar and Grill in Parramatta Leagues yes. Club today. So a massive uh, thank you and a shout out to Parramatta Leagues Club, who do have Parramatta Leagues Club. They've set it up to be the home of the Eels, and we're very pleased that that's, that's the case with the club. Uh, Bill, thank you again for... Um, inviting us to be part of today. Thank you for all your, the fine work that you do with the Blue Gold Alliance. And uh, yeah, let's get that message out to as many people as we can who've been involved with Parramatta graded teams. Look forward to next year and the Back to Parramatta Day. Terrific, Craig. Thanks very much. And thank you guys, because you're great supporters of us as well. And uh, we really appreciate that. Thank you.
Well, it's my honour to be with a man whose name says it all, Dennis Fitzgerald, the legend of Parramatta. Dennis, thank you for coming on the tip sheet for our chat about what's happening here today with the Blue and Gold Alliance Reunion Day. Pleasure to be here. Any time's a good time to talk about Parramatta and especially the history um, and the, the champions of the past, and not only the champions, the guys that really put in on and off the field. Well, how good is it for you to be able to catch up with with former teammates, um, people that you've actually come across in your role uh, from an administration point of view within the club, people that you signed to contracts? I mean, it must be... I mean, you've got a different connection to a lot of the people here in that, in that you have different relationships with them. So what's it like for you to catch up? Oh, it's, it's very enjoyable to see what uh, everyone's doing and hopefully that uh, they're generally in, in good health. But one thing that's a real worry is the situation with uh, dementia and the things that had happened where uh, we didn't have the, the bunker back in the 60s and 70s. Um, so uh, I played in, in the, the 70s and there's so many uh, players both at Parramatta and uh, others um, that uh, have got dementia and it's something that the, the whole game of rugby league should look, look at uh, very carefully and uh, do, do a bit more and, and just uh, uh, um, do research or put money into research of course so there has been some that it's been very good but it's a bit of a worry when you talk about CTE and uh, you can't uh, diagnose it fully uh, until people have, have died. Oh, it was interesting that you mentioned that because I was just over there with Billy Richards and Steve Finale and they were talking about this and even, and this is something I'm bringing up out of the blue, but whether there could even be a connection between the number of broken noses, um, having things like sleep apnea and then that also being a precipitator for, for some of the issues that are happening with regard to dementia and and, and brain issues for older players. Yeah, oh, very much so. And that's the thing that uh, research can do as it uh, progresses. And just as a bit of a side issue there, I mean, I uh, only played about half the year in 1973, uh, and I, I just uh, I, I couldn't put on any weight or strength, and I was tired. And that was uh, uh, took six months before they diagnosed celiac disease. Um, where they didn't know a lot about and had to go on a gluten-free diet. So I was pleased about that. But they didn't know much about it then because 17 years later, um, uh, I was uh, having the odd uh, sandwich, a wheat, barley, or rice in, in gluten. And then uh, I discovered that uh, my same specialist said, uh, you're OK, you haven't got uh, celiac disease any longer. Uh, but it was because of the ongoing research with something like that which is a, a long way from problems, dementia and, and brain disease, uh, but it just means more and more research that you do and you look at or do testing of players um, of rugby league at any, anywhere, especially maybe it's even more of a worry in country areas where you haven't got so much uh, control or restrictions or bunkers. And uh, you know, once again, in days of the... 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s in the, in the country areas. It was still a bit of a... Uh, um, there was talk that uh, you're a bit weak if you went left, left the field, even though you're knocked out. You yeah, so yeah. You, you can't have that. And thankfully, that's gradually changing, but uh, it needs to change as quickly as possible. And, of course, back in the day, there wasn't really that focus on diet or having a club dietitian or... Um, and, and even... I mean, nowadays, we're at the stage where you've got players that have got dietary issues, they can play and they can be at their, you know, at an, as optimum weight as they can be because they're looked after. We have players who are diabetics who are playing the game. We've always had players who are asthmatics and, you know, had their puffers and what have you. But the game's come a long way to start to recognise a lot of issues that weren't issues, you know, ones that they faced back in the day. And, uh, and as you say, like, you had to face that with a diagnosed... Uh, celiac disease and back in the time but it, like if it was nowadays your career might be even longer than what it was would that be a fair I, yeah well it, it would have been you, you know you could have been playing for for a long time but the, it's a, a matter of um, also just in my case which is probably similar to players my vintage who played in the 
the once again 60s or 70s, and I'm I'm 73, um, and it's probably about average that I, I've had uh, two hip replacements and one knee replacement. So I've, I've got one good knee knee yeah. left, and that that there's number of reasons for that. A lot of it was because of all the hard grounds that you played on, as well as that uh, the behaviour of players that uh, uh, you didn't necessarily get, get set off because you um, uh, hit someone in the head. You know, sometimes you're patted on the back. Um, but particularly, uh, and then, as you said, as far as the medical attention, um, in my day you had a club doctor who was usually at most of the games. Um, you generally didn't have a physio there. If you wanted to get some physio treatment, you'd have to um, go down to Marsden Street, Parramatta and see the physiotherapist there. Make an appointment first to see if yeah, we yeah. get in. Where now it seems like most clubs have two full-time physios and very, very good uh, medical professionals as, as well as medical rooms and all the uh, equipment that you need for... Uh, uh, general fitness work as well as uh, for rehabilitation work as well. I, I think there's a I think there's a space in rugby league, especially with uh, centres of excellence that are being developed and, and what have you, because the, the American experience is for a number of their franchises over there. They make business units out of the departments that they have to have for the athletes. You know, so if they've got doctors, if they've got physios, mm. there's a capacity for the public to yeah. see such people who are employed by the club. Yes. Um, to look after the players, but then they also use that big department to look after, you know, to generate an income for the club. So yeah. I think that's probably an interesting space. But I wanted to yeah. get on to, um, you, you've overseen premiership winning teams, grand final teams as, a, as head of the club, yep. Yeah. Um, you've, you've also been, uh, you've had your own success. You know, you've played in grand, a grand final yourself, you played... For Australia, tell me about the buzz that you get, the difference in the buzz that you get as a player, as opposed to the person who's maybe who's put a team together. What what's what's the difference in in how you feel looking at a season from either perspective? Uh, well, I, th I think with playing and going on the field, it's the immediacy of it. When you're playing with your mates. Mostly mates in the twist, <laughs> uh, um, and, and just uh, um, being competitive. I mean, everyone's competitive uh, playing rugby league, as well as in most other things. But uh, when you uh, put so much physical and mental time time into it, and you um, get a result, either a weekly result, or a monthly result, or a season result, or a career result, you know, that's all all different stages. Probably uh, in my administration career, since I had um, played with Parramatta from 69 to 77, then I became what was called club secretary at the end of 78, um, when uh, I was uh, 29. Um, it, I thought at the time that something had to change at Parramatta, and uh, I realised that at the time I was about the only person who could do it, who had a degree of support, because you needed a... The, the politics to have people vote for you one way or the other um, and that's what um, was a big part of it and, it, and it, it worked well and then certainly from a point of view not long after I took over that position and certainly <coughs> wasn't me um, that brought the team together that was well a number of factors I played a small part in it but you know with um, Parramatta came to life probably initially the last two years I was playing 76 the first grand final and the, and the second one, where both those years were very, very close, and we could have won those. But uh, um, Jack Gibson was the man who, who brought it all together. Um, and so, really, to answer your question, one of them's short-term gratification to a degree, winning games when you're playing, and the, the other situation I did with 30 years here as the CEO of Leeds Club and, and the Football Club was something that was long-term and changing things from a very amateurish situation to being um, fully professional and always trying to learn more. So, Dennis, ultimately, how, how important is it to have an organisation that does look after former players and, and staff like the Blue and Gold Alliance? Oh, well, it, it's very important. I think it, it's, 
it's uh, you lose a lot if it's just uh, you've been an employee, you've been a player, you've been a coach, official, um, or in days gone by we had a lot of uh, uh, helpers, honorary, um, that uh, just enjoyed doing it, didn't get paid anything, maybe got a, a tracksuit or a, a, a beer or two at the end of the season. Um, so um, that really brings forward the camaraderie. Remember we used to have, once again, 70s and, and 80s, uh, regular weekly barbecues where all the com committee, directors, uh, coaches and officials got together and we were all as one as opposed to now where thankfully it's, it's all very professional but there's not much mix between the players and the supporters and the, the uh, honorary uh, people who just want to do it because they love Parramatta. Yeah, I think uh, certainly times have changed, haven't they? Without without question, Dennis. Thank you so much for your time. I'll let you get back and enjoy uh, mixing with your uh, former with your mates and uh, former teammates. And thank you for your, again. Thank you for your time. Okay, been a pleasure.